Welcome, everybody. I am Christy Buck. Um, I am the broker owner at Infinity Real Estate Group in Pearland, Texas. And this is Samantha Kanar, my COO of Infinity Real Estate Group. We've worked together for over 15 years now. And we just want to talk to you all today about teams and why people uh, feel like they're more successful on teams. So we started building our team in 2012, and we went from just Samantha and I to a 30-person team. So while we understand everybody to be a mega team, um, we didn't ever really plan to grow this big and to have this big of a team. But Workman has done a lot of studies on why people prefer to be on a team. And we're going to go over some of that today with our experience of our team over the past 10 years, how we've grown it and what our agents say are the, the, the benefits of being on a team versus being an individual agent. So I like to start out saying real estate is one of the easiest things to do to get your license. And it is one of the hardest things to learn without the proper support and mentorship and training. And so many of our, so, so even everyone that, that supports us in real estate has to have a mentorship or an apprenticeship, except for realtors. So I would say when, when the statistics are 95% of real estate agents that get their license fail, I will always say that is because they are not required to have mentorship and training. So I think being on a team, one of the biggest benefits is training. Um, so 62% of real estate professionals say they wish they had more specific specialty training within their teams. So as you're building a team, there's so much we could talk to you all about today, but making sure that your agents are, are super intentional with pairing up with a mentor agent and someone. So on our team, we have a lot of training as well as mentor agents and certain things that they have to do and have to go through before we're going to cut them loose, right? What we learn in real estate school does not prepare us to be an agent. So part of our onboarding is making sure that they do a whole series of things to make sure that they're competent to be an agent and represent my name on the team. Where does Samantha come in? She runs this entire team. So being on, I, I would say, being on a team um, as a team leader and as you're growing, what I learned in coaching many years ago was our goal as the team leader is to be able to step away from your team and the team still run without you. Guys, I'm telling y'all, that has been so important and so key um, to running a successful team. This team runs without me, with me here, or without me here. Um, just the same. I like to say you're an entrepreneur when your business can run without you. Okay. You're a business owner if you have to be there to run the business. And just in, in my personal situation, a couple of years ago, I got very sick and it took me out for a year and a half. Most of the world didn't know that because Samantha, can run the team. She's the COO. 
She does our daily huddles, our daily meetings. She does everything that it takes to run a a smooth team without me here. Our team never skipped a beat during that year and a half. We actually had a record year. So that's what, when, when I say your agents are more successful, you're more successful, everyone really has the opportunity to be more successful and have a good work-life balance when you're on a team. Being on a team also allows us also to always put the customers first and a high level of customer service. When you work as an individual, oftentimes you can't get back to the phone calls. You can't you can't get your appointment scheduled to, for tomorrow. There's so many things when you're working alone and independently, can't get back to appraisers, calling on feedback, all of the things that working on a team um, really helps you as an individual be successful. So Samantha, before we go to the next slide, tell me um, what you feel like is important for them to know in your part of being the COO for our team. I would say one of the biggest things is to help you grow in your leadership role is always make sure you're on your coaching calls with your coach and your team leader. I can't like express the importance of that enough is being on there. So Christy and I are always on the same page where the vision is within the team and I know where to run with it. I know the coaching activities that the coach has assigned. I know what my goal is with the team members. And then I go out and not being afraid to go out and learn it. And you might fail because you don't know what you're doing, but that's okay. That can be hard for someone who's a perfectionist in that sense, but don't be afraid of it. And, you know, take it on. What I always told myself every day when I would come in is what can I take off of our team leader today to make her life easier in the sense that that way she can go out and do the activities she needed to focus on. So whether that started checking her emails all day, checking her calendar, reminding her of what's on it, And then I knew she's going to go out, she's going to prospect, get the business, do the business development while I'm running the back ends of the team, running those huddles and, you know, having that communication with your team leader. Another thing Christy and I do is every Tuesday we do, it's called a BLT leadership meeting at 9am every single Tuesday, the two of us meet. Now we have a sales manager and an operations manager and all four of us sit together. And that's that one hour of designated time that I have with Christy. As long as I have that time, we cover the top four activities on the Agile, what our goal is with the team, different ideas, our contests we're running, then I can run with the team the rest of that week. I would say make sure you do that and then just have the confidence to be able to run for the rest of that time frame. And if you feel like you get stuck, don't be afraid to reach out to your team leader or your coach and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. It's not working. What can we do next? So I'm definitely the visionary of the team. I come in, which is what most team leaders are. I say, these are all the things that I want to see happen, especially right now. We're doing our business plans for 2023. Now is the time all of you should be doing your business plans. So I come in and I data dump my my brain, everything that I know needs to happen. And Samantha just takes notes and then she delegates all of those things. So as you become a team leader, the goal is for you to work on the business, not in the business. Okay, you eventually want to work yourself into not working with buyers, not working with sellers. I don't work with buyers, sellers, and I don't go to closings. Um, I'm I'm strictly over the entire company. Samantha's right under me. And then we have a sales manager that's 
working with the sales team daily. And when we're, we go back to 80% of, of real estate professionals say that they tend to be more productive and successful when they work on a real estate team. Well, why is that? It's because when you create a team and you create structure, and like our structure is that we learned in, in coaching and workman success is you get up, you get dressed, you show up, and you come to huddle, right? Most agents are going to get up, get started around 11, go to lunch at 12, come back at two, be done at four, and then they wonder why they're not successful, right? I even have some of my agents clock in and clock out every day, especially when their production is struggling. So clock in and clock out when you're working on real estate activities. Are you really working 40 hours a week? Can you say that you're working 40 hours a week and that you're putting all the activities in to time helping you time manage? So when you get on a team, we're going to help you manage your time, uh, do your business plans, work through your four pillars, which we'll go through with you more in a minute. But my perfect week in time management, I would say, is the biggest struggle in being your own boss, being an independent agent is because they don't work 40 hours. Like I tell everybody when we do our seven-figure ride-along conference is you wake up in this business every day unemployed, okay? You're unemployed. Even if you have something pending, you're still just in a working interview. You haven't got hired until you get paid, right? So if you were truly unemployed every single day, would you look for a job one hour a day? Or would you look for a job 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week? We would look for one 40 or 50 hours a week. So that's our job every single day. And it doesn't just mean sit on the phone 40 hours and prospect, but be doing the things that create business, be doing the things that create in income, which is income producing activities. 95% fail that get their license because they don't have the proper training and they aren't able to manage their time. So I always say it makes, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but it is the way it is, is for somebody to cut and color your hair, they have to go to school 40 hours a week for a year in person. We can get our real estate license to represent commercial, residential, leasing, all kinds of things, and really three or four weeks without any mentorship. So that goes to show you, or it shows me how we have to have that personal one-on-one -on -one training and mentorship. You're going to get that on a team, right? Just to go to any brokerage, you're not going to get the handholding, the training and the mentorship. So Samantha sits with all of our, or teaches our sales manager um, when, when we did get a sales director how to sit down and work through. And these are the details, the My Perfect Week, the four pillars, the business plan, team leaders. You're typically not good at all these details. I'm not, I'm a high D, I. So I, I, I know the importance of the details, but when Samantha says, have your admin on every coaching call with you, if you're in coaching, that's so important because when we started building this 10 years ago, if Samantha wasn't on all of my coaching calls, it would have taken, taken me 20 years to get where I am instead of 10 because the, I am not the person in the details, but I want to see them. 
I want to see the overall picture, but Samantha works with every single one of our admin and our agents on the My Perfect Week and then these details of their business plan that is so, so critical. I'll come to Samantha and say, okay, instead of doing a business plan in November, December, and then us not looking at it enough this year, I want you to make sure you're looking at their business plan every 60 days, every 90 days so that we can keep them on track. So that if that gives you an idea of I'm the visionary, she's the implementer and and she her attention to detail is if any of y'all know her is off the charts. So I'll let her go into a little bit more of what she does, especially this time of year. You're planning what your entire team is going to do next year. Um, that we're setting those goals right now and then being hyper uh, intentional with everything that needs to happen every single day to make sure that the company reaches their goals and your individuals. We want to see those individuals reach their goals. Um, that's the most rewarding thing to Samantha and I is watching all of our individuals meet their personal goals. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, I would say one of the biggest keys on what helps us run our team is we lead the team with love and their goals in mind, right? Of course, we have our goals as team leaders, and we know where we want to take the team. But sometimes our goal as a whole is not what their goal is individually. And I think that's very important for us to understand that we see so many team leaders lead with more dictatorship. And it's you need to do this because I want this, you are not going to have the retention within your team, if that is how you lead the team. And we've had to learn through trial and error and experience on bringing that out in them. So when I go back to that team study, and I look at the, you know, 80% of them saying they're more productive and successful looking on a team, you have to lead them to be that way. You have to understand the business plan starting in what month? We were in October, the end of September, we launched our business plans for 2023. And the very last week of the month, I brought enough business plans for everyone on the team, a physical paper copy and a digital copy in their email. And we work through it together. You're there to help guide your team, help them show that you care. And we set we set goals, you know, week one, we broke into small groups and we said, okay, what's your one-year goal personally? What's your five-year goal? Let's go into your three-year goal. And then we start talking about what's your income goals. The next week we break down four pillars of income, right? Where are they going to get their business? Today's meeting this morning we had with the team is, and I would encourage you to do this also, your team needs to know where your vision is for the company. We opened our agile this morning one big task we're getting back to is 60 listing appointments in a month. And even in today's market, we feel that's possible. But we had to explain that to the team and break it down and let them help contribute. We had them do the calculations. We had them talk about the numbers and what it looked like. Ask them if they think it's possible. And what we found is to do 60 listings a month, if we did that correctly and we take into our conversions, knowing your conversion of listing appointment to how many listings get signed, how many of those listings they got signed close. And then we can tell our listing agents, you, you know, you're looking at closing 40, essentially in that, or sorry, 27, it was 40 that we would get signed 27, we would actually close. And then we had to calculate that number to how many buyer side transactions does that equate to? In total, it was 67 closings for the month. 
And you have to look at your agents and say, 67 a month, we have X amount of agents. That means you each need to be capable of doing it almost with four per agent. Do you feel you're capable of doing to that high level? And then we break it down with them income. Getting their input on this, you're going to get more buy-in. We have agents that are not hitting their 24 a year, right? And now I'm telling them I need them to do 36 for the year. But I'm telling them in a way that they're agreeing to it and they're coming up with it themselves. I'm saying, do you feel committed? Do you feel that you're capable? Do you feel like there's enough leads? Do you feel like we can guide you there? And they're all diving. They're like, yes, we can. We're nervous, but we can do it. And then you're going to break it down and say, okay, great. Now we know what that number is. How are you going to get there, right? And this is where these sprints on this screen come in in your four pillars. And we're going to say, okay, you're going to work your top 50. How? And they're going to say, well, I'm going to call my top 50 the week of the 22nd, like we're told. I'm like, okay, but how? You know, you want it so specific that that four pillars of income tells him what to do on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly basis. So at any given time when that agent is stuck, I can pull that out with them or our sales manager and say, hey, you committed doing two top 50 lunches a week to get you X amount of face to faces. You committed to holding so, you know, two open houses a month. Have you done that? And chances are they're going to say, no, I've held one open house, haven't had any top 50 lunches. That business plan, you can always go back to. This was your goal to close this. You committed to doing this number. How can we get you back on track? And then we're going to back up to that My Perfect Week we just went over. And now we're going to time block with them and put it on paper. Thursday, one to two, you're working your top 50. Wednesday, noon to one, you're going to lunch with so-and-so. Um, that it is so detailed and mapped out, the paper thinks for them, right? It's easy when we get overwhelmed to put our head down and stress and be handicapped by it. But when you have these things in place for your team members, you're just helping guide them, right? And they don't look at it as that accountability as a negative anymore. Now they look at it as a positive of, oh, wow, Christine seems to really care that I hit my goals, Right. I, I don't need to know that they went to lunch with these five people this week or they did this in a 30 minute increment. But I know it's important to them to hit that goal at the end of the week and the end of the month. So we're going to guide them with their goals in mind. And if you see when you're going when you're if you see that they're doing the activities as a team leader, you see that they're doing the activities, but they're not the pendings aren't showing, then there's a problem. Right. Or we'll see some Samantha and the sales manager, or it used to be myself, uh, will dive into and say, okay, so you've made this many touches, um, but we don't have any pending. So where's the gap? Is it the dialogue? Is it the face-to-face? Something fails at the face-to-face? Where is it that we're doing the right activities, but then we're not getting them to closing? We have to dig in. And that means sometimes going on listing appointments with them, going out with buyers, um, with our buyer's agents. Like um, when I was growing the team, I always like to tell the story how I, I think I took it for granted that you get a new agent and, you know, they've written um, so many mock contracts. They've negotiated with them. Uh, them with me. They've shown that they can go through zip forms, that they can go through DocuSign, but we weren't developing them and training them um, out in the field the way that I needed to. So that is so important. And I go back, I've been doing this 23 years. I don't remember 
anyone, you know, taking me out in the field and saying, this is how you show houses. These are the questions you need to be prepared. But it was so long ago, I don't really remember. But I also realized as you grow a team, I like to say your goals are to hire, train, trust, and delegate, okay? You have to know how to hire, which is part of what we learn in the Workman Success System, how to hire for what position. And we have to train them. You can't trust them if you don't properly train them. When you properly train them, the trust comes a whole lot easier, right? They're out there with my name, the name I've worked so hard for all these years, and I can't trust them if I haven't trained them properly, and then delegate and let go. On our coaching calls, Pearl used to play the song, Let It Go, um, from what what was it? Frozen. Yeah, some, from Frozen, Let It Go, because I thought, you know, they called Christy Buck, how can I get a buyer's agent? If I get my first buyer's agent, they wanted me and they're not going to get me. And Verl told me, Christy, I hate to bust your ego, but they want a house and they heard about you. So if you send someone out that is trained by you and trusted by you, they're going to be fine with that. And wow, it was so true. And no, our, our production did not slow down because I quit working with buyers. Then a few years later, when he's forcing me to quit working with sellers, I say forcing me, encouraging me to quit working with sellers. Like what? They don't get me on the buy side. They don't get me on the sell side. Why would they continue to call the Christy Buck team? And they did and they do. And it continues to grow. And all of that is, you know, when you train them right, my listing agents have to go on a lot of listings with me. They have to listen to me and then I go watch them and observe how they're doing it before I set them free to do it. But when you properly train them, meaning even down to go out in the field with them, sit through new home construction with them, and you know you have a brand new agent and you've just done in the office training, but nobody ever went out to a new home with them and said, okay, you can negotiate this, 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 and this. And um, if that house is set for so long, there's a good possibility that maybe they will change those blue countertops. Like you have to teach them and take them into the field and help them understand how to be a great agent, how to get that, uh, that customer clients um, trust, which we have that. We've been doing this a long time. So we know all that, but we failed in the beginning at training. Um, we did the in-office training, but not in the field training as well. So, that we are going to have a whole lot more success when we put people on a team and agents are going to have more success when you train them and you really, really spend the time with them that they understand how to be a good agent. Then your question is probably going to be, why would they stay on a team once they learn all of these things, right? They're going to stay or are, we have agents that have been in the business just as long as me. And they understand the value that they get, that all they have to do is prospect, show, and put them under contract. We have somebody else doing everything else for them. We have a, a listing um, coordinator that prepares everybody's listings. And when they come back, we have an office runner that takes out the sign, the lockbox. The listing coordinator puts in the listing, puts in all the showing instructions. 
Um, we have transaction coordinators that do every single thing once it's under contract, even a listing or a buyer. So we are, our agents completely understand what is done for them for their commission split. And it's more important to them how much money they take home to their family than their commission split. It also creates so much work-life balance, right? I really, really encourage my agents to team up with somebody that they trust and take every other weekend off, right? The biggest thing in real estate is burnout. We all burn out because we never take off. But if you are on a team, you can say, I'm going to take every other weekend off. And some of them are like, ooh, I can't do that. Okay, one weekend a month. I challenge you to take one weekend a month off. And um, it, it's just a better work-life balance. Samantha, 50. So I will so show you if I know we keep referring to this team studies. This is a team studies that Workman did a while back, not including anyone in the Workman um, house, right? These are teams elsewhere. And so much of this is so relevant. So if you don't see this, I believe you'll get a copy or an option to get a copy at the end. But when she's talking about personal life balance, I mean, right here, 55% of real estate professionals believe being on a team has had the effect on their personal life that they had hoped for. On our team, I would even be willing to bet this is higher because we push this so much in leading our team. Like it is important to us that our team members hit their their professional goals, but it's even more important that they hit their personal goals. And when we do those business plans, that's the first thing we dive into is what are your personal goals? Why are you doing this? What are you trying to accomplish this year? And I think that is why people are going to stay with you because you genuinely care. You're helping them hit these goals personally. They never thought possible. You're providing all of this support to them that they're not going to have if they're on their own more than likely. And then another thing that we did is when people say, well, why would somebody stay with you? They're producing 50 transactions on their own. They can do it themselves. Why stay? We have four agents on our team that are in what we call our diamond level agents. We just started doing last year that have no desire to leave our team. They're all four of them are making very good money. They're very strong um, leaders in the real estate industry, but they stay with us because of all of these things. We continue to help them. And I'll let Christy this is her favorite part. She's the, we call her chief of fun. I'm chief of no. Um, I like telling everybody no. She likes giving everybody things. So we've started this by elevating our team members by their production and making sure that they feel and they know that we value their success and we set them apart. Do you want to go over this part? Sure. So when we ended up after 10 years of having a team, we had more senior agents and then kind of the middle um, that been here two or three, three or four years, and then the new agents. Well, we knew we needed to set apart our senior agents that had the experience and uh, we needed to, to set people apart. So our diamond level agents um, are, they, they are making on their side a minimum of 125,000 a year. Then we have gold that's like 85,000 to 124,999. Silver below that standard, standard new agents below that. So the numbers aren't important. Everybody's in different price points. So your numbers may be different. But every year I have a kickoff party in January, February, and I recognize and do something really special for 
something for all of our agents because they're all working hard. Even the new agents are trying and learning, but we do a kickoff party and the diamond level agents last year, they all got tag watches. So I had the tag company come and they got to pick out of five watches that fit in the budget. Now, these are things that I save for all year long. This is an expensive party. It's a kickoff party for them to understand that I appreciate them staying on the team. We provide a lot, but where we give a lot, we expect a lot. And then, you know, the gold level agents got all different price, uh, uh, the same price point I spent on each of them, but all Louis Vuittons. Um, that's they, uh, many of them, that was their first Louis Vuitton ever. And I spent maybe $2,000, $1,800. This makes the world of difference to our agents, y'all. They know that we appreciate them. We appreciate their hard work. We're not just commission split focused or as, um, Julie says, commission breath. Um, we're not just focused on commission. We want to thank them and appreciate them. So, and then we do the glass awards. They love these awards that show um, what, what level they are each year. So we're, we're not with a big franchise, we're a boutique company. So with the boutique company, we're not going to a big awards thing. So we do them in office, but really, and then we include the admin. We always want to include our admin. The harder that our, our agents work, the harder our admin works. So, I mean, these are, these are the, all the admin got Michael Kors purses. Um, we did bags. Uh, it's just culture. So that's really what we're focused on right here is maintaining your culture all year long um, is part of building your team and retaining your team. I will tell you another big part I think a lot of team leaders miss in um, retaining their, their agents that you pour months and months and months of training into is especially new agents team leaders, we have to help them understand budgeting because if they do all their activities that we encourage them to do with their My Perfect Week, we shouldn't have peaks and valleys, right? That's why we're working on My Perfect Week all the time is to not have the peaks and valleys in real estate. However, we just do, right? There's months that you have three pending and three fall apart. You have five pending and three of the five fall apart. So I go through every year trying to teach my people how to budget. Um, how, and I know that sounds like we're adults, they should know that, but a lot of people have to get out of the business because they live on the feast or famine, right? They either have a $15,000 a month and they spend $15,000 and then they have two months, everything fell apart and it forces them to have to get a full-time job um, where they're back to the paycheck. OK, so I encourage them when they start um, to set up their tax account, be prepared to pay their income tax at the end of the year and to pay themselves the same amount every month, no matter what they make. So if they need four thousand a month and they have a fifteen thousand dollar month, I, I go over these conversations with them in the very beginning that I want them to, to try to do their best to pay themselves the same salary every month. Rather, it's a great month or a bad month so that they're not forced out of the business. And how does that, how is it, is it my business to get into their personal finances? Some may say no. However, I am pouring a lot into training them 
all the hours that we're paying support staff, sales manager, COO to help train them, get them going. So I feel like going all the way to the foundation is important, right? I have to teach them how to, That I mean, I personally messed up at 26 years old when I didn't put up for taxes. I, I was young and dumb and had no idea that the CPA was going to tell me to send in $28,000. And I'm like, for what? You know, what are you talking about? I always get five or 10,000 back. And now you, and I, I was just young and dumb and we can't overlook that some of them are and tell them in the very beginning, you know, and we will, we'll help you budget and we'll sit down and do a budget with you. We even will help them hold money back for, um, I, I expect them to do two conferences a year. So our bookkeeper will hold money back to help them budget for that. I know we're working with adults, but y'all, I mean, we have to help them because a lot of them are are just really truthfully flying by the seat of their pants. But we want them to, you know, continue to continue their education, expand um, what their knowledge is beyond our team. So that's what we go to conferences for. That's why we go and surround ourselves by people that are better than us. Um, One of the things I wanted to go back to the awards a little bit, and then I'm going to go backwards back to the business plans is somebody asked in the chat, do you reset the awards each year? We do. So everything starts over January 1st. And, you know, there may be a time that somebody hit diamond level this year that they aren't necessarily guaranteed to get it the next year. They still have to qualify the next year to be in it again. And fortunately, I believe all four of our ladies that are diamonds from the previous year have already hit it this year. So they've definitely had huge growth. When I go back to what's on our screen, the Infinity Star Award, talking about giving back to your admin, this particular award, we give it away to agents and admin. The Infinity Star is voted on by the team. Christy and I are not allowed to vote in there. And we tell everyone, vote for one admin on the team and one agent who you truly feel, I mean, everyone should be abiding by our core values, but somebody that they are the picture perfect of our core values, somebody that's always willing to help, goes above and beyond, um, the one that's, you know, willing to do anything and everything. And everyone gets to vote. We go through, we calculated it, and then we pick the person that had the most votes. The fun thing on the admin is every single admin had at least one vote. So I think that was reassuring to Christy and I to see that we have the right admin on our team. We have such a good culture fit on the admin. And there were some very close ties. There were three of them that were neck and neck on the numbers. Alyssa, as you see on the screen here, she won and we made it a big deal. You'll see she got a Louis Vuitton. She got a perfume. She got a little custom bag with some goodies in it. And she also got that glass award that has a star. She has it sitting on her desk and everyone knows it's coming up for the next year. And our agent that received it, same thing. We make it a big deal. We also made custom email signatures for everyone and their different levels. So our diamond level agents, we call them sales partners on our team. So it says diamond level sales partner. It's this really nice signature that only those four have. Alyssa has her infinity star on there. We just try to take everything to the next level and make people feel special and make them stand out. Every month we do monthly awards. We have a sign out at our street, um, our marquee sign, and whoever is top agent of the month for listings or buyer side, they get a paper award here in the office during our office meeting. And it's always, we have a schedule. The second Wednesday of each month is when we're handing out those awards from the previous. 
And we're also announcing it on our social media. We're tagging that agent. We're putting their face and what they want out on our marquee. Clients are driving by all the time. Like they look forward to these things. It's a big deal to our agents. They'll say the sign was down last month. So are you going to get, I mean, (laughs) do I get my fair time back up there? Yeah. Do I get my time back up there? And that's the agent retention. So I know that a lot of people feel like as I build my team, am I building it just so they can go down the street and be my competitor and go somewhere else? If you create the right team, the right training, the right culture, um, the right support, like our top buyer's agent has her own full-time assistant, right? Um, you have to help them build a team within a team. So we're going to take a, a smaller piece of a bigger pie because she, she felt like she couldn't grow anymore here being a buyer's agent. We have to help them grow. We have to help them stay on the team and still provide them with the support that they need. And she's capped out. She was maxed out. So being a buyer's agent, um, when they get to whatever whatever she was over 150,000 a year, um, then she gets her own assistant. So that's worth it to me to pay um, her assistant 35, 45, whatever she makes, I don't know, thousand um, dollars a year to retain Melanie as my top buyer's agent. Otherwise she can go down the street and you know hire and start building her own team. She doesn't want to. She doesn't want to deal with the training, the handbooks, the mentorship, that all the things that we do for her. So those are the things that I think help you with agent retention. And we we don't retain everybody. There are people that um that that they learn, they think that they learn everything and they go somewhere else. The question is, how many have ever left here and done better? And Burl recently asked me that. And honestly, I can think of one. And we've had, you know, lots of them leave because they feel like I know it all. I'm not going to do this commission split. But a couple of them have asked if they can come back. Sometimes they can. Sometimes they can't. It just depends how they left. So we also this time of year, um, along with the um, we'll keep this short and and quick so y'all can ask questions as well. But we do vision boards. Um, we take, uh, a whole day and we either go to my lake house or my house or somewhere. And we try to get out of the office so that they're not working and running to their office, working all day. And we want them to do their vision boards. Like if they want to travel, post pictures of where they want to go. And then we help them break that down into their personal goals. Okay. If you want to go to Paris, you need to save 1300 a month for how many months to take how many people or 700 a month, whatever it is. And we help them achieve those. And it's so rewarding. Uh, It's just, it really is. I looked up on Facebook one day this year and I text Samantha and I said, Shelly took her girls to Disney. Mm -hmm. That was on her vision board. And I saw, because I was out of the office, I saw that they were at Disney. And when you help them and you see everything that they put on their vision boards, um, and then you see them start reaching those goals, it's super exciting. Um, before I did the kickoff party, somebody was asking in, in the chat, um, do your awards change each year? I've done trips instead of gifts. Okay. We all went to Cabo one year, the whole team went to Cabo one year. Um, and then we also went to Destin one year. So I rented a beach house big enough for, I don't know, 20, 25 people at the time. And, you know, I mean, you have to cover your basis and make sure that, you know, you have them sign. You're not responsible for any of their foolish behavior or anything like that. But we covered our tracks and 
we all went to Cabo and we've all gone to Destin, Florida. The reason I haven't done the trip in a while is because I, like Samantha said, I'm, I'm the coordinator of fun and I have a very hard time leaving anyone out or leaving them behind. But I also felt like um, that the people that worked way, way, way hard and did great are getting the same reward as the people that just kind of done the minimum to get by. And I don't feel like they should all be treated, you know, the same. Why, why um, do you take everybody, even if they barely produced out of town um, to a five day vacation and the people that worked their tail off got the same thing. So that's when we kind of shifted it towards the kickoff party instead of the trips and the trips are hard for us all to be out of the office. So we've tried all different things as we've grown the team. It's trial and error and there's pros and cons to, to everything we do. So it's not saying we won't go back to the trip. We might just take our top producers on a trip. And then, you know, we just, it's culture. It's always trying to think of this is a family. So I think when you create that family environment, it's so important. Um, a lot of people want to be a part of something. That's the other reason they want to be on a team. They don't want to just wake up and work by themselves all day. Um, so I think that's a big, big part of the environment that you create every day. Like just right now, you can look out at our common area mm -hmm. and they have lunch together. There's a whole group of them that have lunch together every day and they like that. Um, they, they like the, the networking that they get inside of the office versus just being an individual agent working from home and all of this. And let me tell you, we didn't start here. <laughs> No. It did. You don't start here. You do it one person at the time. Admin. If you don't have an admin, you are an admin. So if you're a team leader without an admin, um, you know, some people think, well, I don't produce enough. I can't afford an admin. Yeah, you can. You pay them by the file at that point. Right. You pay them per closing at that point. There's ways to do all that that your coach will walk you through. Um, but let me see how long do we have? So we have time for have, questions. Yeah, we have 15, about 17 minutes left. Uh, if you want, you can come on and ask us questions. If you have the ability to unmute, you can put them in the chat, whatever you prefer. There was one in here that said, do you provide your team with leads or only based on their production? Yes, our team gets leads, but if they're not keeping up, I'll let you answer that. If they're not, Samantha's yeah. the lead police. <laughs> so all of our oh, that's funny I need a badge that says that uh, so all of our agents do get put on leads the soonest we put somebody on leads is probably 30 days in but typically it's not until two to three months down the road they get put on actual lead flow our higher producers there is a little bit of conversion difference they get a little bit more opportunity on some of our sources However, everyone is on leads. We do provide them, but they have to be here doing huddles. They have to show that they convert. They have to be doing all of the things that we put in place, our metrics that we track. Otherwise, they will get put, they will be paused on leads. First time is typically a day. Next time is about seven days. And after that, we will pause somebody for 30 days or put them on leave until they're ready to come back and participate. So any other questions? Um, how fast did you build your team? And at what point do you think you had enough team members? <laughs> I would love to say there was a point where we felt like we had enough. 
But so right away, this is, I'll tell you my experience as a team leader is when Burl said, get a buyer's agent. This was in 2012 coming out of a recession. And I'm like, I can't afford a buyer's agent. I can't afford to give up, you know, 50% of my commission. And he had to help me understand that I only had so many hours in the day and that I had to let her do some for the weekend while I was doing some. And then, you know, I'm not giving anything up, but I'm gaining. So we got our first buyer's agent right away. And then right away, we needed another buyer's agent. Um, How quick did we continue to get buyer's agents? I mean, we... At first, it was was definitely slower than it is now, right? Uh, We had our first buyer agent probably about six months mm, or so. Yes, after coaching. Uh, Actually, it took us a year into coaching before we added an agent. And then we added our first buyer agent. Probably six months later, we added our next. And then the last few years when we had the largest growth, we hired nine one month. Um, at the same time, we hired six the previous. So it, it really just took off fast. We've been in coaching 10 years now, going on 11. If that kind of helps you with our timeline, uh, we still need probably, agents to this day. Yeah, probably. Is. So a, a good measure, though, is every 25 leads you get a month, you should have a buyer's agent. Okay, so as long as you're tracking your leads, every 25 leads because those are going to go into their pot nurture watch and then so 25 a month is all that they can manage as they're as they're categorizing them working them and nurturing them so we do not have isas i think i read do y'all have we've tried it all we've done it all but as long as my agents don't have at least two or three pending they need to be the isa they need to be calling and having those conversations and nurturing and looking for business. So um, the the agents that are busier have a part-time assistant. So the company provides a part-time assistant for all the diamond level agents to help them through their top 50, their pop buys, their, their prospecting. But anybody that doesn't have at least two pending, they should be doing their own prospecting. Let's say there's a lot of questions coming in, which I love. Um, how do you find a Samantha? That's a really good question. Um, I will say, and I'll let Christy answer also, is I always tell people Samantha I am today was not Samantha I was 10 years ago. I've been with Christy 15 years and 15 years ago, Samantha was very different. But I do think there are certain skill sets that you have to find in that person have that potential still. Um, I was Christy's babysitter. Uh, when I was 17. And then at 19, I was in college and I just needed a part-time job. Christy was hiring. She interviewed me. Uh, She didn't think I would make it long and now she can't get rid of me. Sometimes she probably wishes she could. Mm -hmm. Um, But how would you tell people to find Samantha? So uh, it's all in who you hire, right? So Samantha has a very, if if any of y'all don't know, Samantha and I do a two-day conference. It's called Seven Figure Ride Along. It's up on the web, web, uh, workman website now for registration we go over the hiring how to hire who to hire when you're looking for a samantha you're not looking for a di you're looking for a sc right in the disc um i mean their attention to detail supportive suitable like that's the sc so hiring the right person is key and um if you asked me that i was never going to hire samantha she was (laughs) She was 19. She's in college. She's not going to stay with me. I'm going to train her and she'll be gone. And I was wrong, right? Here she is 15 years later. 
And we have, you know, a someday exit strategy. I'm going to give her this entire baby someday. So it, I would say finding somebody that has the right skill set, which is the, the S and the C, and then understanding where they want to be. And, and Samantha, like I said, it's too much to go into now, but she has very detailed things she does to hire a admin compared to an agent. They have to have a strong skill set that she has, computer, technology, details, spreadsheets, and understand the tracking. Um, so, and you develop them. Like she, she didn't know what earnest money was the day she sat down in my office. So I didn't develop her skill set that she has that I don't have, but I developed her on how to lead and how to take charge and, you know, all of those things. So, and that, that came with a lot of, you know, growth and time. Absolutely. Okay. So the next question, I'm going to hit them a little fast now. It sounds like you have about 25 to 30 agents. Is that correct? Does one person sales manager do all the one-on-one shadowing on appointments or have you broken the team up? So we actually have 14 actively producing agents at the moment. Um, We have a couple that are out for different reasons on personal leave or um, one is on maternity leave. So for the most part, our sales manager just started with us in November. I don't mean to interrupt you, but don't think that we have one admin per agent. Like our commercial department is a department. Okay. So our commercial department has three people in it. And that's, so that's, they're all agents, but some are admin to the commercial agent. So you can't, you can't say we have one to one and one's a bookkeeper and one's an office runner. So when we say 32 people on the team, we're counting bookkeepers, office runners, right? Commercial department. So it's not one for one, if that's what you're thinking. So we really have 16 agents, just two or not. Correct. Everyone on our team is licensed. Our agents though, um, prior to our sales manager, yes, there was just one of me that did our one-on-ones. However, I would break them into groups. Now she runs most of our one-on-ones in groups of three or four, according to production. And then I still meet with our diamond level agents. Um, I, for now, hopefully the goal is eventually she will be in that role long enough. They will trust her to take over that. And we meet with them. A couple of people have asked how often we do one-on-ones every two weeks. We meet every two weeks with the agents, whoever's in our group of one-on-ones. We have a one-on-one sheet that we fill out. It auto-imports into a spreadsheet, which I overview look at with our sales manager, Caitlin. We can take it to Christy and review it. Admin, now that our team is the size we are, we did meet with them one-on-one every two weeks, but now we do a once-a-month admin meeting. It's the third Thursday of every month in the afternoon. And so they know when those one-on-ones are. How did we find buyer's agents? So we ask our transaction coordinators, who did you enjoy working with on the other side? Who was a pleasure to work with? We ask our inspectors, our title companies and pull MLS and see who's closed 12 or less. And they already are licensed. They know zip forms. They know DocuSign, but they're not producing much. And then we call and see if they're interested in, you know, a higher producing, higher volume team with more training. So we do a lot of recruiting videos when Burl gave Samantha 30 days to hire nine people. I mean, she did it, but that's what she focused on. Um, And if you hire nine, you're hiring nine so you can onboard them, train them because seven are going to make it and two are going to produce one or two are going to produce. Right. So that's how you have to have the, the volume of buyer's agents. I will say, do what your coach says when he says to hire because nine in one month, that was intense. 
That was intense. So one person said, do you have buyers and, and listing agents or do you allow them to do both? So we have it split up, buyer agents, listing agents. However, we have become more flexible on that. If it's a repeat client or a referral, they are allowed to work it as the opposite. So a buyer agent can take a listing if it's a friend or family member. However, they have to have a mentor agent on that file so that we know they're taken care of. The next one is you mentioned you do business plan meeting for the following year in September. How often are you reviewing them? And how long does it go for typical for the September business plan meeting? So we run it. Our business plans are due on October 31st. So we have an entire month. This is the first time we've done it in one month. I normally will stretch it out to about six weeks. And each week we're meeting on a different topic in our two-hour office meeting. We'll take about an hour of that two-hour meeting so and every, do it together. Every day we meet for huddle for 15 or 20 minutes. On Wednesdays, we meet 9 to 11 for a full-blown office meeting. So on Wednesday office meetings right now is where Samantha's working through their business plans with them. And we bring those, we do quarterly reviews with all of our agents where we're pulling out those business plans and reviewing, but the first Wednesday office meeting of every month, the team bring their business plans and their vision boards. And we talk about them the first half of the meeting also. So we're constantly pulling those out. We made the mistake years ago of not pulling them out except once a quarter or once every six months, it was too late to go back and, and try to hit some of these goals. Um, when you are in team leader purgatory, which is the transition from getting out of sales and into running the business, what was your biggest aha pivot moment that earned you wings to team leader? Uh, that would be Rural Workman making her hand her phone over to me one day mm-hmm. and saying she's not allowed to take it back, but I'll let you go further into that if you want. So, um, Viral just pushing me to get out of production and really saying, okay, I had my cell phone. I had had marketed everywhere for all these years. And he just made me one day in a coaching call. Uh, He had already said, go get a second phone. So I went and got a second phone. And then I carried both phones around forever. I wasn't giving one up to the buyer's agent. And then in a coaching call, he said, take it from her and don't give it back. I tried to negotiate that. I said, how about if Mona can have it while she's sitting by me, but when she goes home evenings and weekends, I keep the phone. Nope, that wouldn't work. So it was just pushing me and encouraging me that they can do it and they can, but us team leaders don't think that anybody can do it as good as us. And um, they may not be able to do it exactly like you, but I promise you they still get it done. And you come in on Mondays and 10 deals went under contract and it wasn't because you were the one out doing it 24 seven. So it's, it's worth it. Do it. So we have another one asking, I'm a new agent. I have my training center consultation with Workman success tomorrow. What information should I have ready to be successful on the call? I currently do not have a lot of contacts in my sphere. So do you uh, have your admin on the call? That's yeah. The, that's the number one thing I can tell. And unless if you don't have an admin, then I, you know, talk to your coach about getting an admin. Workman um, Training Center, there's so many tools in there. They will tell you what to bring from that call. I think you'll get a clear vision on the buyer agent side of training, agent side of training, the admin side. They will give you a lot of those documents that you're looking for. Uh, it's hard to know. You don't know what you don't know. Uh, they'll help guide you tomorrow on that. What does your onboarding process look like for new agents? And then what are your expectations of your listing agent? So our onboarding process is, again, in Workman tool. It's in, in the Workman. Um, you just search the onboarding, and it is 
what, two pages of onboarding, everything they have to do, write so many contracts. Well, ours is probably a, a little more intense than Workman's, but they have to write so many contracts with me, shadow a senior agent for so many hours showing. They have to prove that they know how to work through all of our systems. There's there's two, two three pages of things that they have to do during onboarding. And that's in the search bar in your in workbench. I would look up the 14 day onboarding process for starters and then the 30, 60, 90 day onboarding that's also in there to help build your onboarding process. Those two tools will be huge for you. Um, what are your expectations for your listing agent? So we're always pushing in the prospect. I think that's our biggest struggle with listing agents is getting these uh, listing agents to prospect and not just take what comes into the office. So I mean, prospecting is what we're, we're right now implementing the 60 listings in, in 30 days is going to be very intentional prospecting. Awesome. I think we hit all of the questions that were in there. If we did not, we have a couple of minutes. If you want to retype it, I believe we hit all of them. Don't apologize. Ask away. <laughs> Did you say 60 listings in 30 days? That is correct. That is our goal. Um, this will be the third time we've launched it in the last year and a half. First time we failed to up and we hit about 40 listings in that month. We have yet to hit the 60. So we are going to this time. But that's okay. I mean, yes. it's the goal. And those are listing appointments. Let me make sure we understand that. We want that many correct. listing appointments. And even if we hit 40 and... In 30 days, that that's great, right? That's huge. Um, we had one listing agent that broke her leg in several places this year. So our listings are behind because we've only had one listing agent um, and Lori was out for four months. So, you know, everybody has circumstances, right? Life happens and, you know, but we still want to push through and get our goals as high as we can so that we, we do our best to try to achieve them. So when your buyers take a listing, is it in their signage or the team signage? Everything on our team is in Christy Buck. So everything is in our name uh, or my name. And um, then they're still appointed on the intermediary. So it's still with appointments, but we do all the signage in the office name um, and the office phone number and whoever's on leads that day is getting the leads off of all the listings. Paul, I will tell you, I, we're very limited on time on the 60 listings for the month. It definitely can be done. I'm asking if we have a step-by-step -step game plan. I would, so this is where agile comes into play. Uh, one of the big things that helped us is going back through and calling our past clients from the last two, three, four, five years that sold with us and you know now they have so much equity in their home i would say start with that but get your agile and start writing all of those things that you know that worked going back to geographic farming what does your social media plan look like around those listings calling those clients two to five years ago um hopefully that will help you get that part going and we're still editing it so if i ever get it correct we will definitely share um thanks so much you're very welcome uh, if a buyer's agent is producing for or uh, prospecting or no producing for a set amount of time, what's the cutoff when you let them go if they're underproducing? If they're prospecting and underproducing, if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, then that is a development and training issue. 
Okay. So if they're doing the activities and that's either a scripting issue, it's a face-to-face issue. We're going to dive in and see where, um, where, where the ball is getting dropped because you cannot, like I tell everyone that comes to my team, if you're on this team, not making six figures, it's your choice. Okay. I'm going to tell you and teach you every single thing to do. And you, if you do all of those things, and you're not making six figures, it's because you're not doing all of those things. But if they say, look, I'm doing all of them, Christy, and I can't get anything to stick, then I have to get involved and figure out where we're, where we're missing, what we're missing. Is it on the face-to-face? Is it that you can't overcome the objections on the telephone? What is it that we're dropping the ball on? So they're not going to do the amount of work that I tell them and not be successful um, unless I'm missing something that I need to help develop them on. If they're still just not developable and they're doing all the work, then, you know, sometimes we have to release them to share their talents with others. I know we are officially over time, but if you take a picture of the QR code on the screen that I put up, you will have access to the slides. I'm pretty certain work when correct me if I'm wrong. You'll have access to the slides. You also get a free copy of the business plan workbook, the My Perfect Week and then their strategy session with Workman. Um, And I believe they'll have some other tools kind of in there. And like I said, if you don't have access to the team studies, I would reach out to your coach and ask, because I think that's a good tool for you to use in your office meeting. That's it. Good luck, everybody. Hope this was helpful. Hope it was worth your time. And it looks like we're doing another next month. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.